Before we get started, ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Production, presents Moxie Bets. Make bets with Moxie with betting expert Katie Mox and her merry band of gambling insiders as they preview lines, spreads, parlays, and props with personality and the kind of advice they would give themselves. That's Moxie Bets. Listen wherever you get your podcast. You hear that old school funk? You see those light colors? That means that you are joining the first episode of DC and RC. Right, listen, 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 and right. why are you behaving like this? <laughs> DC, yes. why are you late, brother? Why are you late? Look what I'm rolling around in, too. Don't forget. Oh! I just asked you about why are you late, brother. You have to be professional. <laughs> I was trying. It's like my, uh... It's like the uh Right, I'm good at this. I- I'm good at this. This is this is oh where God. I make good, my money. You're here. good at everything, right? bro. You sound scared, DC. I'm a bit scared of Amanda Nunes. I am a bit scared of Amanda Nunes if I'm being honest. It's a blow off. Oh! It's oh! Oh! Winners win, Ryan Clark! Winners win! I know DC, and this guy is the biggest liar everywhere. <laughs> He's Thank one of those you. guys that carry his UFC belts around. Does he have one there? <laughs> oh, you're lying. It was just too hard to pick one. So at number one, listen, listen, wait, wait, come back, stop, don't do this. Oh my goodness, I'm even better. Oh. Get your boy Khabib oh, dancing. Man. Y'all in the oh. Hall of Fame. Hey, with Juliana dude, Pena, hey, dude, you were saying no, that she no, was going to no, beat Amanda no, Nunez. Hey. Now no. all of a sudden, I see what Kayla you're doing Harrison here. is going to no, beat Amanda no, Nunez. I see what you're I'm doing. Amanda, you my heart, DC. <laughs> Damn. Just feel it. Let bit. the music move you. Thanks for coming visit me, even hey, though you whipped man. up on me a little bit. Does he work? No, no, no. It's not good to dance like two people watch two fat guys how to dance. It's, <laughs> it's not good. Believe <laughs> me, brother. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. As you see, we've had some fun times over the course of the last year. Today is the one-year anniversary show for DC and RC. How about Habib? No selling us, not one to dance. We have had a tremendous time. We love you guys for the support. It is growing, and we are loving the growth that you people are showing and supporting DC and RC. My man Ryan Clark is not here today. Michael Leaves is having a birthday party down in Cancun. Unfortunately, I wasn't invited to Cancun because I'd rather be in Mexico with the cool kids. But Ryan Clark's down in Mexico, so what did I do? I reached into my bag of tricks. I reached down into the swamp. And I'm going to have my man Dustin the Diamond Poirier sit in today for Ryan Clark. And we are now joined by Dustin Poirier from Lafayette, Louisiana. The king of Lafayette in some people's minds. But before we can get to Dustin Poirier, we got to do the half-year awards for the UFC. We're also going to do one round with Michelle Watterson as she heads in to UFC on ABC2. Man. I hope I am wearing a gold jacket like the great John Madden used to. And we always got to tap in and tap out. Even though Ryan Clark ain't here, we tap in and tap out. But we get to the diamond. Dustin, thank you for joining us, my friend. We appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on, man. We're going to keep the Louisiana vibes going. And also, I want to say congratulations on one year, man. That's a good milestone to, to get through. It's absolutely a good milestone. DP. I got to get something real quick, though, my man. Hey, at some point, we got to be cultured, right? Because I saw you in the stands at UFC 276 
UFC 276 or 279, I'm confused as to which one it was. I fought for a living. But you in the stands acting crazy with Michael Chandler. Dustin, come on, man. You a millionaire. You got your own hot sauce. You're an entrepreneur. But you out there acting like a savage. Dustin Poirier, what was happening? Look, Daniel, I, I knew I knew somewhere this was going to come up. Um, the thing with me now and my <laughs> wife, we spoke about it. I'm not tweeting. Look, nothing negative towards nobody in interviews, online, nothing. If I have something to say, I'm going to say when the person's present. And, and that's what you saw right there. I had something to say to him and, and I got it off my chest, told him what I, what I felt about him. And that's it. You know, if he ain't here to, to, to defend himself or for me to speak in front of him, we don't need to talk about it. That's what I'm talking about. DP, it's been a minute since we've seen you in the octagon, right? We miss you. What has the Diamond been doing in this time away? Obviously, a couple weeks ago, I got to work with you at the weigh-in show, which is why you are here today, because I saw how good you are. But what's Dustin Poirier been doing since the last time we saw him in the octagon in December? Man, being a father, uh, spending time back home, training with the guys around here, getting them prepared for fights. But recently, I did a month in Florida helping my buddies get ready for their fights. Uh, went corner a couple guys over in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun. I'm staying busy. You know, I'm still fully into the fight game, still training every day. And in, in a couple of days, I'm leaving for, uh, Thursday to go back to South Florida, train at American Top Team. And I think I'm just going to pack my bags and stay there until I fight somebody, man, because we got some things in the works and, and I'm ready to get back in there. You know, one of the things that I am most proud of you for is the Good Fight Foundation and the work that you do inside of our community of Lafayette, Louisiana. I know we make jokes about everything, but you are at home, on the front line, really helping the people of South Louisiana. What's been going on with the Good Fight Foundation? You and Jolie do a tremendous job. What's going on with your charity and all the things that you do at home? Thank you so much for bringing that up, man. Yeah, we're, we're always, we always have goals. We're always working on something. Every year we do a big back-to-school drive, so we're planning that right now. But we just sponsored... You know, Trey the Truth, uh, the rapper from Houston, he has Trey Day coming up next weekend. It's a full yep. weekend event for the, for the kids. He's bringing a bunch of stars out. They have uh, school supplies. So we sponsor that. That's coming up next weekend in Houston, Texas. If you're around that area, bring the kids. It's going to be a great time. But uh, with the foundation, besides that, coming up in September, we have a 5K here in Lafayette, Louisiana, that we're doing with St. Jude's. We partner with them to raise money and bring the community together. So we're just trying to, you know, spread positivity out there. You are an absolute beacon of hope to the people of South Louisiana, and they see what you can become if you just apply yourself without having to leave home. But, DP, you are not here to be interviewed, my friend. You are here to sit in that seat and host this show and talk to me about mixed martial arts. So last weekend, we're in Las Vegas, right? Rafael Pazif, a guy at lightweight is fighting against Rafael Dos Anjos. And look, dude is fun. He makes a lot of jokes. He does tremendous stuff. He calls out every Rafael Nadal being the last one that he called out last weekend. But he's an absolute, absolute beast in the octagon and is truly making a mark. As a guy that's fought a lot of his career at 155, what can Fazeev really become in the lightweight division in the UFC? Daniel, so like you said, I'm the co-pilot here. I'm going to answer. I'm going to try to answer every question. <laughs> from an outside view as a fan and not as a potential opponent, not as a, not as a competitor of these guys. I'm going to tell you how I really feel looking at it from a fan's point of view. And I think this guy's the limit for this guy. He showed, you know, he beat a former world champion. He showed a great takedown defense. He showed cardio. He showed power. 
he showed everything it takes to, to, to step up and be a contender. And I'm excited to see what's next for the guy. He, great showing. You know, you know what I liked about him is that as the competition grows, he seems to stay within himself. He's never overwhelmed. Now, the fight against Brad Riddell, he knocked him out late, right? So he looked really good. But then we saw what happened to Brad Riddell last weekend in Vegas. So it didn't age great. But fighting in a, a former champion, even though the fight wasn't exciting per se to what most people expect from him, he was able to stay within himself. And then in the fifth round, I heard Brendan Fitzgerald say something to the effect of, he may need a finish here. Fazeev may need a finish. Fazeev goes out there and he flatlines and finishes him. People start to complain because they love RDA talking about fast stoppage. RDA goes, absolutely not. Dude won the fight fair and square. He beat me on that night. He was better. So watching a guy like Fazeev do that, stay within himself, it really does make me believe that the, the sky's the limit for this kid. But we haven't seen him tested in there with the guy that tries to hold him down. But when the guy strikes with Fazeev, he's very, very dangerous. He seems to be a guy that can stay within there with the toughest guys. Now, we haven't seen him in there with a Dustin Poirier. We haven't seen him in there with a Justin Gaethje or anyone like that. But what we have seen to this point, the kid seems real. At least he does to me, DP. And you're right, but you're wrong about one thing. We have seen him in there with somebody who's going to try to hold him down. RDA was trying his best to nullify the movement, put him against the fence, get takedowns, <laughs> and Fazeev showed great takedown defense yes. and made the guy fight in the middle of the octagon. You know, he, he, he passed that test and, like you said, did it with great composure on a championship level. You know, the guy he fought has almost as many fights as anyone in the UFC, has won, defended the championship, has fought at two-way yeah. classes, and the guy can wrestle and has great jiu-jitsu, and Fazeev passed that test. Yeah, absolutely. And Fazeev was able to clear the underhooks on the side of the octagon. And the moment he got his chance, he got the finish that he needed in the very last round. So Fazeev now enters the rankings, right? You beat a former champion like RDA. You enter the rankings. at I mean, or sorry, you move up into the rankings. The new rankings released today. Number one is Charles Oliveira because the title's vacant on one of the most egregious mistakes that the commissions have made in a long time. Dustin he's the Poirier champ. At number to me, two. he's the champ. Benil Daryush at six. Islam at four. All of... Oliveira is the champion. He is the champion. He always says, he goes, there's a champion in his division. His name is Charles Oliveira. It is absolutely true. But when you look at these rankings, DP, we got to start to matchmake. That's one of my favorite segments here at DC and RC because the reality is I could do Sean Shelby's job if I needed to. So I'm going to pull up my piece of paper here, and I'm going to start matchmaking this division. Dustin, my top three fights at lightweight that I want right now. I'm going to start right here. Hey, the story is written. And when the story is written, it's it's easy. I hope to God I spell this right. At number three, Michael Chandler. Can you see this, guys? I don't know. I'm on a white piece of paper. But it's Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier. That's the fight that I want first. I got to see these dudes. Hey, listen, man. Like you know, Dustin... It's like he hit that that stick off your shoulder in the playground talking about your mama. When you start arguing like that in public, you got to get it in, DP. So I want to see Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler do their thing. At number two, I believe that this guy deserves a big fight. So I'm going Benil Darius versus, here he is, your favorite fighter's favorite fighter, 
Justin Gaethje. I know, hey, maybe you still can't see it, but ESPN, we're ESPN. We can like act like there's words on here. I want Justin Gaethje versus Benil Daryush because Benil Daryush deserves it. He deserves an opportunity. And lastly, for the championship of the world, I want Islam Makashev to challenge Charles Oliveira, the champion for that belt. Now, these are three great fights. And as you've seen, the UFC has now started to put some of these fights on the same card. So I believe that as we head to Abu Dhabi DP in October, you might not like it. I know you hated the travel. I know you don't want to be cutting weights flying over to Abu Dhabi. But I want you and Chandler as I want you and Chandler as the co-main event to Makachev versus Oliveira. And I want Dariush versus Gaethje as the third fight from the top. So we just doing a whole lightweight party out in the desert in Abu Dhabi in October. Tell me what you think, Dustin. Tell me how Dustin Poirier can show that he can make a list better than this because nobody beats me in lists. We got a lot of name. We got a lot of uh, similar names, familiar names on this on this list. But let me give you mine. You ready? I don't know. Did you give me yours in order? Was that you? Did you go yes. three, two, one? What was that? I went order. I, I went three. I went three, two, one. I went three, two, one. So, so I make the rules, right? So, honestly, I'm gonna so judge I'm gonna the go, list and who wins anyway. So, you can say whatever. I'm you gonna want. go one, two, three. I'm gonna go one, two, three. Okay, let's go. Here's number. Here's number one for me. Yep. Charles Oliveira versus Islam. We got to do it. We got to do it. I know it's a vacant title fight, but to me, Charles is defending his belt against Islam if this happens, and I think it should happen. That's number one for me. Number two, I'm going. Benil Dariush, this is a curveball, versus Gamrot, a guy who I train with, who's breaking into the rankings, who's a great grappler, who needs to prove himself against a veteran, and, and that's the fight. That's going to be a fun matchup. I think it's going to be a lot of scrambles. Dariush is going to have trouble getting him down, and if he does, he's got his hands full there. That's number two. Number three, you're ready. Justin Gaethje versus the return of Conor McGregor. The hype, the buildup. Somebody's going to sleep. Oh. I mean, you're, you're tuning in for a car wreck, a head-on collision, and I want to see it. <laughs> DP, that makes sense. That makes sense. But you know what? You know what that tells me is you understand television. You understand television. You understand that we got to talk about Conor McGregor a little bit because he will come to here to talk about Conor McGregor. <laughs> come on, I'm not trying to toss his name out there. I'm just trying to put together good fights. <laughs> Remember, I'm sitting from a, I'm a third a third person talking about my my own rankings here. You know, Conor McGregor, anytime he comes back, he will obviously elevate whatever card. And honestly, the sport's better when he's here. We have seen what he has done in terms of being an opponent for numerous fighters' careers. And honestly, the Justin Gaethje fight, that would be fun. That would be a very fun fight. Those are good matchups. The, the fact that you said Gamrot, and he was, in, he was in a crazy fight just very recently against Sarukian, which was fantastic. But it, it just speaks to... The, the 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 intrigue behind this kid right now because you can start to feel that momentum rolling behind him as he heads into uh, what is going to be the best fighters in the weight class. But we talk about Gamrot's fight versus Sarukian. Could have been considered fighter of the fight of the year to this point. So it leads me to this, Dustin. Let's give out some mid-year awards for the UFC. Tell me what you think to this point, 
was your knockout of the year. All right. Knockout of the year so far has to go to Michael Chandler. The front kick to Tony Ferguson, the way he goes down, you know, everybody in the room is speechless. I was there whenever uh, Machida did it to Randy Couture. We all saw Anderson do it to uh, Belfort. When things like th those kind of front kick knockouts happen, it's so dramatic the way these guys, I mean, it, it's crazy. He gets the award for me. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you there. It has to be Michael Chandler. Unfortunately, DP, I've only seen it on replay. I, I, I missed it live. I was sitting right next to the octagon, and then I'm looking at Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan. You want to kind of look at him. I look at Rogan to make a point. Chandler kicks the dude right in the face. It was an actual football kick. It was like Martin Anderson kicking a 60-yard field goal for our <laughs> beloved Saints back in the day right to the chin of Michael Chan of uh, Tony Ferguson that put him out in bruh. Look, we all got some bad memes out there. DP, we all got some bad memes out there. But boy, that one Tony if Ferguson got to live with now is bad. His face is all mushed up. It looked like it's just rippling. It's bad. Hey, it's I'll tell you bad, what. If, if you make a career in New York DP, City, the longer you stay there, I promise you, you will end up a meme. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> you absolutely will. DP, tell me your female fighter of the year at the midway point. Okay, so my female fighter of the year, DC, I'm going with Valentina Shevchenko. She's defended her belt, and also she has nine. You know, she defended her belt this year. She has nine wins in a row, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited. She's beat the who's who. I'm excited to see what's next for her. You know, I agree. It's, it's crazy. Like, I'm agreeing, right? But the reality is, though, Valentina can be the female fighter of the year every year. Because she just dominates that weight class in a way that we've never seen anyone do it prior. But what I do feel adds to it is the adversity that she had to deal with in Singapore and get through that adversity with Talia Santos and win that fight to retain her championship. It showed that she's human. It showed that she's human, but it also showed that regardless of what is dealt to Valentina, she finds a way to get through it. So, Valentina, once again to this point, female fighter of the year. DP, let yeah. me have your male fighter of the year. All right. So, my male fighter of the year, I'm giving to Volk. He's defended his belt twice this year. I was in attendance uh, two weeks ago when he fought Max for the third time. He put a stamp on the trilogy, won every round, looked comfortable, looked great doing it. He's the fighter of the year this far. Let me tell you something. You can't argue with Alexander Volkanovsky being the male fighter of the year to this point. He is very well deserving. But maybe maybe guilt is speaking for me right now, Dustin, because I got away with the weigh-in thing. Charles Oliveira got his belt taken away from him because of the weigh-in thing. I'm going with Charles Oliveira because what he did to Justin Gaethje, people don't do to Justin Gaethje. Charles Oliveira, do Bronx is one of the funnest fighters in the world. The way that he attacks guys like you and Justin Gaethje, the most dangerous men in the world, he is willing to go in there, let you guys bash him all over the face, drop him multiple times, get up and find ways to get his hand raised. And he is showing every single time that he steps into the octagon that he's better. So you knew he was a great grappler. But now the striking is on par with the grappling and everything else. So for me, it's Du Bronx Charles Oliveira. And... 
the fact that he has never won fighter of the year to this point speaks to how good the male division in the UFC has been. Dustin, now this is the one that I am most excited about. I love this one. Give me your fighter of the year to this point. This was a tough one for me, man, because of Gilbert Burns and, and Chimeyev. They put on such a great fight, but I'm giving this award to Glover versus Yuri because the title was on the line. The swing it took in, in the fifth round when Glover looked like he was about to, you know, 20, 30 seconds away from retaining his belt to make a mistake and Yuri pull it off. Now Yuri's the world champion. I'm giving that fight of the year thus far over Burns Chimeyev because the title was on the line. You know, it kind of sucks, right? Because I will, I wanted to kind of have a few arguments, but it's hard to argue that this is not the fight of the year to this point. Now, very deserving fights. Lawler versus Barbarena was a tremendous fight. We talk about Mateus Gamrot versus Armand Sarukian was Armand. a great fight. Chimaya versus Burns was great. But nothing lived up to this. Nothing was like Glover versus Yuri Prohoshka. The ebbs and the flows of this fight, the ups and the downs, watching Yuri Prohoshka, honestly, looked like he was done in the fifth round. It looked like he had nothing left. It looked like he was done to be able to get that submission. That is the shortest time anyone has had left in a fight to lose a championship. Glover had never been submitted. I mean, that might be Yuri's first submission in his entire career <laughs> against Glover Teixeira with 28 seconds left in round five to become the UFC light heavyweight champion. Fight of the year at this point. What's and just, dude, the way people were acting in Singapore after that fight, that place was on absolute fire. I, I could not believe it. So that is going to be my fight of the year up to this point. And to, to, to when you're in the driver's seat, to try to get a finish and jump a guillotine and give up position, we all know if you don't get it, you're on your back in a bad position. From personal experience, I've done it often. Time and time again, giving up position, chasing guillotines, and I still haven't finished anyone with guillotine in the UFC, and I'm probably going to jump a dozen more before it's said and done. To do that in the fifth round of a title fight, give up position, and, and then get your back taken, no hooks, hand under your neck, it, it's just crazy turn of events, and, and that's why I got my vote. It, it makes it crazy to believe that Amanda Nunes and Glover Teixeira, two Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, have been submitted in that same choke. It's almost a bulldog choke because there is no hook. So to be able to do that, absolutely the fight of the year to this point for me. So, guys, we just chose awards for the first half. Next week, when Ryan gets back, we're going to make second-half predictions. Now, you know those predictions can get pretty bold, and my boy Ryan Clark is going to find a way to, to, to bring up Conor McGregor. He's going to try to find a way to make Amanda Nunes mad at me in my prediction for the second half. So there's going to be certain things in these predictions that can be a bit off the wall. So make sure you tune into that. But we're also going to rely on you guys to help us at ESPN choose who is going to win the ESPY for the MMA Fighter of the Year. You guys can now vote on the fighters that are in this category that have a chance to accomplish something that not many athletes do. You can vote Alexander Volkanovsky, Charles Oliveira, Kamaru Usman, or Kayla Harrison. So you just go cast your votes, and then you tune into the ESPYs on ABC July 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Guys, get these guys that are in this category. Get to go and stand alongside the most recognizable and the greatest athletes in the entire world 
as they try to get an SB. I have one at home. I won MMA Fighter of the Year. It is truly one of the most special awards that you can receive as an athlete. So go vote for your favorite in the pick that you choose for the SB MMA Fighter of the Year this year. Dustin, the business in the UFC never stops, though. It, it actually never stops. Like, every single week, there's something. It can be International Fight Week. It's massive. It seems like the world's on their toes watching the UFC. But then the following week, there's something else. And then the following week, there's something else. And what we're doing now is big. This weekend, we go back to ABC. Yair Rodriguez is fighting against Brian Ortega in Long on. On Long Island. I almost said in Long Island, but these people in New York get mad when you say on in Long Island opposed to on Long Island. So on Long Island, these guys are, are fighting. But then I ask you this. Brian Ortega has fought the champion Alexander Volkanovsky. Yair Rodriguez have, has not, but he fought Max Holloway last. So both of these guys, while they're great contenders, they're looking in a division where there's a dominant champion. So what are the stakes? Are the stakes higher for Yair not fighting? Alexander Volkanovsky or Brian Ortega, who's trying to get that second shot at the champion in a fight where he had his moments. I think what it comes down to is their headspace in training camp and leading up to this fight, because Brian Ortega has fought for the belt twice. Um, you know, I, I fought for the belt twice, so I know how it is to regroup, pull yourself back together, try to build your name, build your, your wins, uh, build your skill set to put yourself in position to fight for another belt. And this fight next weekend could could do that for him. And that's a lot of pressure on yourself. And I'm not sure how he's dealing with it. He might flourish in it, but it is a lot of pressure. And you have to constantly find ways to get better, to improve yourself, to get another shot of that belt. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. You know, I think that I think that this is a big fight. I think it's a massive fight because for as dominant as Volkanovsky is, I think in the last fight with him beating Max Holloway in the way that he did, he put closure on those two guys competing. So you don't expect to see a Holloway versus Volkanovski for right now. So when you look at the featherweight rankings, Max Holloway, now while he's number one, has lost to the champion three times. Ortega and Rodriguez sit at number two and three. Now Josh Emmett will have something to say about this. Josh Emmett believes he's the next guy. But if Yair Rodriguez goes out there and he looks like a world beater, if he runs through Brian Ortega, I believe that he will fight Alexander Volkanovski for the belt next. 
And I believe that this is a fun fight. I spoke to Yair Rodriguez's wrestling coach yesterday, Izzy, Izzy Martinez, and he goes, Yair is going to blow it up on ABC. He goes, he's primed. He's ready to put on a performance like we have never seen from him before. Now, I understand that he's his coach, and he's going to speak about his student glowingly. But if Yair can do that, he will earn himself a championship fight because of his history, because of his, his visibility, his popularity. You know, for as much as I love Josh Emmett, when people think MMA and they think Yair or Josh Emmett, as you know, dude, sometimes it goes to uh, popularity. Yair is the more popular fighter, even though Josh is so deserving of a championship fight. But Brian Ortega will never give up on his championship aspirations. And he believes that he is going to win this fight this weekend and earn a, and earn a chance uh, at, at another UFC championship, a third one, which you don't, very, you, you don't get usually. Right. And does this, putting back on the matchmaker hat, does this set up an Emmett-Holloway fight? You know, that's another big fight that would be fun to see. Um, hey, and if Izzy's right, I hope they worked on takedown defense because Brian Ortega has a highlight reel of finishes. His jiu-jitsu is some of the best in the UFC, definitely in the division. And, you know, I think that fight could be won or lost uh, on those takedowns if he gives up one. I mean... To see, well, what Volkanovski went through to get out of that submission, those submissions versus Brian Ortega is something that we don't normally see. When Brian Ortega usually gets you, it's over. That guillotine is as good as anything that we have seen in mixed martial arts. And honestly, it's triangle. His name is T-City. It's called Triangle City for a reason, right? The guy is a phenomenal tri triangle. He's a great grappler. And Yair is going to have to be ready in order to spin extended periods of time on the ground with him. But it's not just about those two this weekend. Misha Tate, the former UFC champion, the Bantamweight champion, makes her debut at 125 pounds. What can you expect from someone like Misha, who has been in the game so long, Dustin, and is going down the weight class in order to try to reset what she's done in the UFC? I always believe, DP, that when people start going down in weight, changing weight classes, chasing something different, it seems like they're nearing the end and trying to just find hope. What do you think for Misha Tate? I'm not going to shut the door on, on what she still has to offer. Uh, maybe, maybe she feels more comfortable going lighter. We haven't seen her on the scale yet. I don't know how, how, how much struggle she's going through to make weight. But she's bringing all the experience you know, of a long career, of a world title, into a new division. It might be a, a new beginning for her. And she's got her hands full for sure next weekend. You know, when when a, when a former champion switches weight classes and a former champion comes back in the way that she did in her fight, fight against Marion Renault, she looked phenomenal. Then the toughness that she showed, even when she lost to Ketlin Vieira, you understand that the will to fight is still there for Misha Tate. But ultimately, as we age, it's never about the will to fight. It's about the ability to still compete at the highest level. So when you look at Misha Tate and you look at her change in divisions, is it as simple as the division's not as deep, so all you got to do is win a few fights to get to a title shot? Or is it about her being able to recreate herself in order to become that threat to the champion? So that leads me to ask this question. What's the ceiling for Misha Tate? I mean, Valentina's the champ, but I mean, I imagine if she goes and wins a couple fights, she'll find herself standing across the outgun from Valentina. What do you think the ceiling for Misha is? A, a title shot? I think we're going to have a lot of those questions answered in a couple of days here on uh, on ABC. But 
you know how it is. Whenever you drop down in the division, a former champion, if she can put one or two wins together, she's knocking on the door of a title shot. Being a former champ, uh, having the experience she has, beating the people she's beat, she's always, you know, one fight away from being a title contender. And I think if she get, you know, wins uh, convincingly on Saturday, she's right there. The division needs it. You know, absolutely. Because Valentina has dominated so much that it does not take as long. So Misha Tate had this to say, quote, if not me, then who else? I want to fight Valentina. Lauren is a tough, gritty fighter. She's ranked inside the top five. So it'll be a great win for me. It'll put me right in that top spot, she said to MMA Junkie uh, during her media in the lead up to this fight. So she understands how close she is or how I'm really trying not to be disrespectful, DP, because I'm going to kind of say something like she understands how little it takes in order to find yourself fighting for a championship at 125. Because when you look at the rankings, every single person has already played victim to the champion Valentina Shevchenko, and not many have really challenged her. The first time we saw her challenge was Taya Santos. So Misha understands what this weight class change can do for her by going down. It puts her right in a a short queue for a championship fight against Valentina. But when you look at that quote, DP, and she says, why not me? What does that say to you? That That's uh, empowering. You know, I asked myself that, que that question in training camp. If not me, then who? It's going to be somebody else. I need to make this decision right now. Give it my y'all. It's my time. That, that's empowering. But, but going back to what you said, the, the, it's not so much that the division is thin or that we would see rematches. It's her resume. If she comes in here and has a good win, a, a dominant performance, without the division um, being full of rematches or potential rematches, I think she would be in the, in the talk of a, of a title fight regardless, just from her resume, being a former champ. People want to see her fight. I, as a fan, I want to see her fight. I want to see what she's going to do. I'm following the storyline since Strikeforce. You know, I'm an MMA fan. So I want to see what she's going to do at this weight class. Absolutely. And to see her reset, to see the discipline that she has shown. When Misha had her kids, she has actually shown another level of discipline in her commitment to this craft. She has done a tremendous job. She's fit. She's ready to go. And at 125, she looks absolutely ripped. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is the weight class in which she should have fought the entire time. Because sometimes it takes a little bit longer to recognize where you belong. Valentina was that same exact way. She was fighting at Bantamweight, but the reality is when she got to 125, she found her home. So I'm excited to see what Misha Tate brings to the flyweight division. And there's a lot of things that need to be answered with that weight drop. The, du the durability, the cardio, um, a lot of things happen if you cut too much weight. So we're, I guess we're going to find out. I talked about Misha Tate getting more committed as to she became a mother. Well, Another mother that will be fighting this weekend is Michelle Watterson. She is going to join us for one round with Michelle Watterson, but she is a part of a fantastic card this weekend on ABC. Remember, the main event, Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. Michelle takes on Amanda Lemos. Don't forget about Matt Snell versus Samarje. And Lauren Murphy will welcome Misha Tate to the flyweight division. But before we get to ABC, we got to get to Target. I mean, we got to get to Target. For one round with Michelle Waterson, you want to talk about moms, right? The karate hottie is doing mom things at Target <laughs> as she gets prepared to head to Long Island. Michelle, how you doing, champ? 
Yeah, we're at Target. We're doing like exactly what you said. We're doing mom stuff. I, I was just, I was so excited. Um, it's been four fights since I've been able to have my family with me. Um, so, and it's summertime, so we brought the whole clan, and we had to make a Target run for the for the family. You, you know, Michelle. Before we can get to the fighting, how empowering is it, and how? Powerful is it to see so many strong mothers competing in the UFC right now. It it puts a smile on my face every time I can watch you ladies do what you do on the home front, but also be so strong inside the octagon. You know, it really is amazing. And, you know, credit to the UFC for, for giving us this platform, for supporting us, you know, um, before, through, and after our pregnancies to continue to pursue our dreams. It, it is a very beautiful thing. And I think it's something that so many mothers out there can um, embrace and enjoy as well. It's that, you know, they, they watch us because they get to live, uh, live a little bit uh, through us. So I think it's a huge inspiration and a great way to, to bring families together. Hey, more power to you and respect because I see my wife on a daily basis how much she, she has to keep up with with my daughter. And I couldn't imagine having to, I mean, as a father, I'm still a huge part of it, but a mother is a mother and having to juggle everything and still be, you know, fighting at the top level is, is, is pretty impressive. Well, it's cool for me because now my daughter's getting older. Um, and when I was younger, I don't think, she, when she was younger, she didn't quite understand. But now she's older and she's competing in gymnastics and I see her struggling with how learning how to deal with the pressure, learning how to compete. And um, it's really cool because sometimes some of the things I end up telling her, I have to remind myself to tell myself. <laughs> I don't know, it's, just, it's just such an amazing journey. We, all, we, we get to do it together as a family and I couldn't be more grateful. You know, Michelle, you see you with my boy Josh right there just crushing the pads in preparation for the fight this weekend. You're taking on Amanda Limos. What does this matchup mean to you as you see this young lady on her way up taking on a longtime veteran like Michelle Watterson? How's the prep? How's the camp been? How do you feel? I mean, you look great. I've been watching you on social media. Your hands look fast. You look in insane shape. You seem ready. How ready are you for this weekend to fight on ABC? I feel great. I feel um, re-energized. You know, sometimes when you get put out for injury, you get a little bit more hungry. I feel like uh, like a kid at the candy shop. And honestly, um, it, everything had just fallen into place for this camp. I'm excited for the crowd, guys. It's been four fights since I've had a crowd. So I can't wait to, to, to pull that energy from the crowd and go out there and put on a show. I feel this is the best shape I've ever been. And I just have, um, you know become a student again and really embraced enjoying the, the, the grind of it all. When I, when I look at this matchup and I look at your, you know, history of fights leading into this, what jumps out to me is at straw weight, a girl with punching power with knockout power is a huge test. I know we have Wei Li who, who can punch, but it, we don't see it as often 115 pound female fighter coming in there and stopping people with punches. Um, Amanda has four stoppages. I'm just wondering, I'm curious, in training camp, have you focused more on your uh, the defensive aspects of fighting? 
I, I think if you if you focus on being defensive in camp, then you're going to be defensive in the fight. I'm 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 focused on what I can do to her, and it's not like I haven't fought heavy hitters. Um, you know, I, I fought the best and the best in the division. Um, I've, I've trained with Amanda before when she was at 125. Uh, she trained with us out at Jackson's, so you know I felt her power. Um, and uh, you know nothing against her. I'm not overlooking her. Uh, I, I know what her strengths are, and I'm prepared for her strengths. But I have. It's not like I haven't been in there with heavy hitters. You know. Of course. You know, Michelle, your ability to create space and fight where you're comfortable is like not many people in the UFC, regardless of gender. Your sidekick, you only engage on your terms, and you got great takedowns. Is that something you guys focused on a little bit as you get prepared for the fight this weekend? Hitting her with the sidekick, bang. Hitting her with the little jab, bang. And then when she gets close, taking her down and just making her uncomfortable. I don't know, DC. It sounds like you're reading my mind. <laughs> it is what it is. Like because I, because I've been fighting for so long, um, you know, it's one of those things. Like you can't hide what my style is. But I've I've really just kind of um, come to this uh, realization that I have been fighting professionally for over 15 years. I've been doing the martial arts thing for you know m most of my life, and so I'm just gonna go in there and and let it fly. But yeah. You hit it on the nail. Um, I can I can dictate where the, the fight goes. I can dictate the pace. I have the cardio. So really the ball's in my court. And Michelle, looking back at um, you guys' records, you'll have a, a common opponent, Angela Hill. You you both got a victory over her, but I'm not sure if you're a fighter that, that goes back and watches a lot of footage. Have you gone and, and looked at your fight versus Angela and, and looked at Amanda's fight versus Angela and, and seen anything that really hops, pops out to you? Because when I'm preparing for fights, if we have a common opponent that we both recently fought in the last year or so, I go back and try to see what rhythm they were in and, and, and things that I took from the fight with that same opponent and saw that how they dealt with it. Have you gone back and watched tape on that fight? I have, actually. And, you know, I thought... on. They fought after I fought Ange or after I fought Angela, and I thought Angela went back to the drawing boards and, and fixed a lot of things. Her impressed her her wrestling really impressed me for that fight. And honestly, I watched it with the with the sound off and and, and thought that Angela should have walked away with that win. Um, but for sure, was able to to take away some good nuggets watching that fight. For sure, and doing it with the sound you know, off Michelle, is a, is a great thing. I, I do the same. Off. I hope. Michelle, you said you no, turned the sound off. I hope I wasn't calling the fight because you try to do me like Dominic Cruz. You try to do your boy like Dominic <laughs> Cruz, Michelle. That's bad, dog. You can't do me like that. You can't do me like that, Karate oh. Hottie. Come on. Hey, I see you playing with your hair. The haircut's fire. But I got to say this, Michelle, the bangs. My daughter has bangs now, right? My daughter just loves her bangs. And the pictures that we keep showing was you with the bangs. Uh, it does not matter. You look good. Your hair is fantastic. You're fabulous as always. Congratulations on everything you have done to this point, and good luck this weekend. Thank you for giving us a few moments. No worry, DC. I I love when you commentate, you know. But my, my thing is, is like as a martial artist, I want to be able to I want to be able to press, you know. And I'm excited to be on this ABC card, and I'm gonna go out there and I'll put on a show, and uh, hopefully um, something new for everybody to take away to take home. 
We're excited to see it. Hey, I cannot wait to watch and enjoy. Hey, enjoy Tarjay. You know, enjoy Tarjay for the rest of the afternoon before you get going. Later, Michelle. Thank you for coming on. Bye. Guys, before we get to Michelle Watterson, we got some prelims, and we got some real good prelims. Ricky Simone returns against Jack Shore. Punaheli Soriano versus Dolce Lugiambula is a really, really sneaky good fight. And Billy Al- Billy Algio versus Herbert Burns. Guys, Herbert Burns is a wizard on the ground. You do not want to miss this and these fantastic prelims that we have on Saturday afternoon. Remember, 11 a.m. Eastern is when the prelims start. This is an afternoon fight card. Ends at 5 p.m. on the West Coast. So make sure you're up early to join the UFC on ABC. But guys, every week before we get done, we got to tap in or we got to tap out. We tap in, we tap out. We bring in Corporate Jake. Corporate Jake reads a few things and we tell him whether we tap in or tap out. But we are not joined by Corporate Jake today. We are joined by our new producer for the day, Air. So we're going to introduce you guys to Corporate Air. Corporate Air, come in and tell me and Dustin Poirier what we're thinking about tapping in or tapping out to. All right. Newly crowned light heavyweight champ Yuri Prohaska has officially decided who he wants to defend his title against. I may decide for the next fight. And I want to fight Glover the next fight. Not because it will be another big fight, but just one reason. My performance was bad in first fight. And I will show you why I'm the champion. Clearly, decisively. And I think Glover deserves it. So, Dustin, tap in or tap out on Yuri versus Glover rematch. I am definitely tapping in. I, uh, I have to see this fight again. The first one was my pick for this, this uh, thus far this year, fight of the year. I got to see it again. I get, Dustin, I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out. I, don't, I do love the fight. It was fun. But what about Jan Bohovic? Give Jan the fight. And plus, Jan Bohovic has a Glover fantastic was, idea. Jan Bohovic goes, let us fight. 20 seconds away. DP. You got to hey, give guys, the man a shot. There's a, guys, there's a little bit of a... There's a little bit of a delay, guys. So that's why you see me and Dustin going, ah, ah, ah. but Dustin, Dustin, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, it doesn't matter. It ultimately ended in a loss. Yuri Prohaska, if he fights Jan Bohovic, DP, they can sell out 70,000 seats in Europe for the king of Europe. Come on, Dustin, you got to agree with me. No way. No way. I'm not agreeing with you on this one, bro. I want to see that fight but I have to see Glover run it back. I don't want to see it one fight removed. I want to see it right away. Uh, Guys, let's also remember that Dustin is still an active fighter and he does have teammates. Glover Teixeira being one of those guys that trains at the American (laughs) top team sometimes. So there goes Dustin. So when you guys all want to give me a hard time about politics for Islam, look at Dustin Poirier right now. He couldn't help himself. Corporate air, give us another. I'm tossing tossing Gamrod in the mix. I'm tossing Glover back in. Let's go, ATT. Okay, <laughs> since you both are Louisiana boys, it's only right we talk about something your state does very well, and that is hot sauce. Because Dustin is bringing the heat with his latest hot sauce, mm-hmm. which has ghost peppers in it. 
And word on the street is, this one will knock you out. So, DC, tap in or tap out on Poirier's new KO edition Louisiana hot sauce. Okay, I'm tapping in on the KO hot sauce. It's good. The first hot sauce was very, very good. Guys don't know, but I got a trial run of the Dustin Poirier Louisiana hot sauce before him and I left. We watched the playoff game in the hotel when the, when the pandemic was first starting. Me and him watched a playoff game together. He gave me hot sauce. I thought it was phenomenal. I also love the Dustin Poirier hot sauce because I'm going to tell you this right now, Dustin. I don't think that the Louisiana hot sauce is that good. I don't think Tabasco is very good, and I don't like Louisiana hot. So I was very happy to see the Dustin Poirier hot sauce because I don't think those other two are very good. So put me out of Louisiana more than I'm already out of Louisiana, but I'm tapping all the way in. I'm in Louisiana currently, and I have two bottles right here, DC, and you know I'm tapping in. We're talking about the KO edition. We're talking about the KO edition. This is about as hot as I can take it. But the OG is, is great, Louisiana-style sauce. What you're talking about, uh, it being better, is because it's not as vinegar-heavy as those other sauces. The, you know, the, the, the flavor profile kind of gets drowned out when you put that much vinegar. That's the problem. And plus, like, when you put the hot sauce on your food, Dustin, you, when, hey, look, my cousin loves Tabasco. You put the Tabasco on your meat and rice, the whole plate of meat and rice tastes like Tabasco. It overpowers because of the vinegar, it overpowers all the meat and rice. Who don't want a nice plate of hot smothered pork chops with some rice and corn? You don't want it to, you want it to taste like the meat and rice. You do, but I tell you what, whenever you eat some good greens, man, I, I want the whole thing to taste like hot sauce and greens. I do want that. Really? Really? This yeah. dude here tripping, man. That's corporate right. air, please. I, it's like Dustin, it, corporate air, it's like Dustin lives in California and I live in Louisiana. Corporate air. Louisiana hot sauce is good, though, D.C. Come on. All right, next up, it's Come official. On, air. Heavy hitting welterweights Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady have been added to UFC 281 in Abu Dhabi. So, Dustin, tap in or tap out on this matchup. I'm tapping in again. These guys are both on win streaks. Um, the matchup is fun. We're going to test Bilal's grappling with this match, his takedown defense. Um, it's, it's just a good matchup and the right timing for both of these guys to, to prove who's going to come out next uh, as, a, as a contender. I tap in. I tap in, and this kind of fits Bilal's profile, right? Bilal will fight anybody. Sean Brady is as exciting as they come in terms of prospects, but it's very difficult for a person that is starting to climb the ranking in the way that Bilal has to fight someone back behind him. It fits Bilal's profile and I'm very happy that we see that. Also for Bilal Muhammad, ESPN MMA posted him blocking my shot the other day. First off, that was a flagrant two. He he was dangerously close to my head. He did not block the ball. He hit me on my arm. And if you know in the NBA, anytime you're around the neck and the head, it is a flagrant two. I would have been shooting free throws and getting the ball on the out of bounds. But don't forget, I played another game with Bilal Muhammad. And I'm releasing that footage on my YouTube channel in the next couple days. Watch how I went. I gave him a sky hook like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So Bilal needs to stick to what he knows, and that's fighting, and he'll fight Sean Brady. But flagrant two air on Bilal Muhammad. He did not block my shot. Let's get another one. 
So, there's a video of Dustin floating around the internet, and a lot of folks are absolutely loving his response to a very simple question. Dustin! Dustin, you like, you like Pitbull? Pitbull? No, Mr. 305? DC, give the folks what they want. Tap in or tap out on Pitbull, Mr. 305. Mr. 305, I, I gotta be honest, you know, like, there are times when I hear a Pitbull song and I kind of move to it a little bit, you know, like not everything. I don't like everything like Dustin. Dustin's a massive Pitbull fan in his six. <laughs> Dustin has a six CD changer in his truck and he's got five Pitbull CDs in that CD changer. <laughs> so maybe I don't like Mr. 305 as much as DP, but I, I mean, I could get down with a Pitbull song every now and again. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, there wasn't, I wasn't saying nah, like, the guy's trash it was just like where i grew up we didn't really listen to pitbull you know what i mean uh hey he's a great businessman i i know his voice he's done well in the uh the music obviously but anytime i hear his voice i know it's him so he has a presence there i just never been a big fan uh growing up listening to pitbull wasn't a thing let me tell you something, man. The Latin music, my boy Anuel, you know that boy Anuel be in the UFC fights with all that jewelry? Anuel be out there looking yeah. good. He, he's like the biggest MMA fan I've ever seen in my entire life. Dude be out there just shining. Dustin, thank you so much for joining me, man. It, I, I've had so much fun. You are tremendous. You have a tremendous mind for this sport. We cannot wait to watch you back in the octagon. Tell me what your first experience was like. Did you enjoy it? This was fun, man. Easy. We're talking about stuff that I talk about on a daily basis. So it's not a, you know, it's not a reach to do this. It's very difficult, guys, to get Dustin Poirier to come and sit for an hour. This guy has big, big time business meetings. He's heading right now to a very, very important meeting. When you're a celebrity the size of Dustin Poirier, you are busy, busy, busy. So we really appreciate him joining us. Guys, every single week, catch DC and RC every Tuesday on YouTube, ESPN Plus, and ESPN2 every night on Tuesday. Watch me and Ryan or Dustin or whoever else we have on the show on ESPN2. Until next time, I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man Dustin, the Diamond of Lafayette Poirier. We'll see you guys again. Soon.